Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges. Today we spoke to Mark Alotti, owner and managing director of Nathan's Famous Australia, the famous hot dog concept from America that is now taking on the Australian market. Mark discusses his many years of running small businesses, his passion for excellent customer service and effective business models, as well as how one trip to Las Vegas made him fall in love with the concept of Nathan's Famous to the extent that he decided to become a master franchiser back home. Welcome everyone, my name is Raghu. I'm here with Karen Erickson from Eden Exchange. Hello. Today we're joined by Mark Alati, who's the owner and managing director of Nathan's Famous in Australia, a famous American brand which is rapidly expanding across Australia with its unique hot dog and food offering. Thanks all for joining us today, Mark. My pleasure, Raghu. Look, firstly, can you tell us a little bit about your background, what spawned the idea for Nathan's Famous, and also what inspired you to bring it into Australia? Yeah, well, Raghu, I'm 53 years of age. I've been in business since I was 22 years of age. So I've you know, been in business uh, over 30 years in various industries. You know, I, I had a restaurant, I've had a fitness centre, I've been involved in the gaming industry, in the construction industry, in the property development industry. So I've had a very diverse and have a very diverse background in business. And Nathan's Famous was actually brought about by a trip to Las Vegas with a couple of friends and I. It really is a quintessential Aussie story. We went over to Las Vegas. Now, albeit Nathan is a famous brand from New York, they do have around 300 locations across the United States and 14 or 15 of those are in the various casinos in Las Vegas. And one of my friends, one of the guys that, that came with us, he was he's a real foodie. And by that, I mean he is a very knowledgeable guy when it comes to food. And you ask him the best place to eat in around the world and he'll be able to tell you. And when we got there, he said, I have to have a Nathan's hot dog. It's on my bucket list to, to have a Nathan's hot dog. And obviously, my reaction was, you're a lunatic. We're in Las Vegas, where there's some of the best restaurants in the world. What do I want to have a hot dog for? But anyway, he proceeded to, to have a hot dog. And when I asked him what it was like, I could just tell by the look on the fa- on his face how much I, he loved it. And he just proceeded to tell me how magnificent it was. And I had a bit of a light bulb moment. I thought, wow, this is, this is something that would really go well in Australia. We don't have any decent hot dog in Australia. It'll, it'll go really, really well. While we were sitting there at the table, I sent them an email, and two months later, I flew over and met the board. And uh, when I arrived there, they took me to one of their restaurants and proceeded to feed me pretty much every product that they sold. Whilst I was very full, I was very, very taken with pretty much every product they had and really fell in love with the brand. And it only heightened my resolve to bring it to Australia. And then we commenced negotiations. And look, it's, it's been around. It's the oldest QSR quick service restaurant slash fast food brand in the world. It's been around since 1916. So they're very, very protective of their brand. So I had to jump through a lot of hoops to to get the rights to sell it here in Australia. Fortunately for me, I met their criteria. They saw what they wanted to see in a master franchise because uh, they do sell across many countries in the world. Uh, there are other people, you know, Russia, Afghanistan, Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico, Malaysia. They, they have many master franchise master franchisors. So it's very, very strict rules in relation to their products. And again, fortunately, I met them and I launched the brand about two years ago here in Australia. I think it's really interesting. And I love the fact that you went there and tried the product, loved it that much that you wanted to start a business with it. That's what you want when someone tries your product. What would you say is so unique about the product itself as well as the business model? 
Well, as I mentioned uh, earlier, Karen, it's 100 years old, it's over 100 years old, so they must be doing something right. So that was one of the first things, obviously, that was at the forefront of my mind. But what's so unique about the product is it's beef hot dog. It's not a red skin or a dirty water dog, as they call it over there. It's a beef hot dog and it's barbecued. So that obviously fits in with the Australian way of life as well. But it's made, as I, as I said earlier, Ida and Nathan Handworker started it in 1916, started Nathan's in uh, 1916, and they started it making the hot dogs using... Ida's grandmother's recipe. So the recipe's the best part of 200 years old. And it's still made with the same spices. It is a real, you know, closely guarded secret. It's as, it's as closely guarded as the spices for, you know, KFC or, or the formula for Coke. It's a very closely guarded secret, the spices for Nathan's hot dog. Of course, you know, I, I have a little bit of a, a shot at uh, my American friends because I say, well, we think ours is better because ours is made with Aussie beef, which is the best beef in the world. So we have that magnificent beef barbecued hot dog that's got an amazing spice blend and it's complemented by uh, the American style bun that the hot dog sits on. It's a sweeter bun. If you've, if you've ever had a, an American style bread roll, it's a, it's a sweeter bun. It's slightly smaller. It's not as dense as a lot of the buns are here. So you have that magnificent blend of savory and sweet and they really complement uh, one another and it's, and it's a match made in heaven. And our business model is unique in that it, we can offer almost all the products from a very small location. We can sell from you know locations less than 20 square meters we have carts we have trailer models you know can sell almost the complete range of products you know in, in a very short space of time staffing costs are low because it can be operated very simply and in, in a condensed manner yeah great look i've had the fortune of having some nathans in in new york as well so looking forward to the, the aussie kick as well i mean have you, do you have you had to do much to cater it or tailor it to the either the aussie way of life or the aussie palate Absolutely uh, nothing at all, Ragu. It's, it, I think even if we wanted to, they wouldn't let us because, as I said, they're very protective of their brand. But the only difference between the, the New York version that you would have eaten and our version is ours is skinless. Now, we go for a skinless manufacturer because we think that's more popular here. They're used to this, uh, the skin version, the skin on or the casing on, and ours is slightly, ever so, so slightly bigger. But they're made exactly the same way. The biggest challenge that we faced is to try to convince the Australian market what a real hot dog is. You know, hot dogs for, for years here in this country. When I was a young guy, it was went to a nightclub, came out usually after having one or two too many, and uh, at 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning, and you had a hot dog. And then you got up at about 8 or 9 that morning and said, yeah, I wish you didn't have that hot dog. You went out and proceeded to do the same thing the next night, or when you're at the, the footy or at, a, or at a fate or something like that. And really, for want of a better terminology, hot dogs were considered gut fill. They weren't what you would say, gee, off, I'm desperate for a hot dog. I'm going to go and buy one. So... One of the, the things that we faced, one of the big hurdles that we faced was convincing the Australian market that, look, this is not what you're used to. Those those hot dogs are generally uh, with the red skin. You would have seen them. Everyone would have seen them. And they're generally a pork and chicken emulsion. They're boiled. And I, again, I think I said earlier that in the United States, they call them a dirty water dog. So we really had to convince the market that, look, this is different. So, you know, when you think of McDonald's, you think of Big Mac. When you think of fried chicken, you think of KFC or barbecue chicken, you might think of of Red Rooster. What we want the Australian public to think of when they just think of a hot dog is just, you don't think of a hot dog, you just think of a Nathan's. Well, I'm getting hungry just from talking about all of this right now. But I understand that you've opened franchises in New South Wales and Victoria as of yet. What is your growth strategy for Nathan's Famous in Australia? And is there a defined expansion strategy? Um, look, we have a defined expansion strategy, Karen. It's, our goal is, I suppose, to open 65 outlets within the next 15 years. That is flexible, of course. It's, you know, you, you have to, I suppose, 
bend with the market and flow with the market. And whilst we have a, a, a rollout strategy, we're also very conscious not to put too much of an emphasis on, on the rollout at the expense of the brand. So our main strategy is to ensure that our franchisees get a large area to work from. We note with a lot of our competitors that they'll open a franchise and then 100 metres down the road, they'll open another franchise. And instances, the franchisee will have to compete with a company-owned store. So we're very conscious not to saturate the market. We're very conscious that we have to give our franchisees to give them a fair go and to give them the biggest opportunity. So whilst we want to expand in a measured way that allows all our franchisees to make a good living and, and make a very profitable business and hopefully buy you know, more than one. We love our franchisees to, to own multiple franchises and we want to have expand but with a measured approach. All right, Mark. So Nathan's in Australia has a few different business styles or franchise offerings uh, catered towards the market here. Can you delve into that a little bit and who'd be suited to the different types of offerings you have? Yeah, sure, Raghu. What we noticed looking at a lot of different, a lot of our competitors and the guys from States when they came out, I had a good look around obviously this great country of ours, they'd never been here before. And part of my business plan to them was to have a mobile strategy in our expansion plans. Now, it does a couple of things. The mobile strategy, firstly, it's a cheaper buy-in. By that, I mean it's a custom-built trailer to our specifications, and it allows the franchisee a more flexible option. Now, that the trailer can be either in a fixed permanent location, or it can be a obviously a traveling unit where you can go around to different venues. So, that's something that we thought would be embraced by the Australian market, and thus far it has been. And the other benefit to, the, to it is that it's a very simple operation. You know, even in busy periods, you can run it with no more than four people inside the trailer at any one time. And it can pretty much offer almost all of the, not all of the products that we sell in, in a kiosk or a store, but it can offer a significant amount of them. So it lends itself to a more flexible arrangement where you take the mountain to Muhammad, so to speak, rather than the other way around. Then our, our version that we developed, which we think is very unique, is our kiosk version. Now, that's around between 20 and 22 square metres. That's generally a blue sky option, we call it. In, in shopping centres, they'll call it a blue sky option, where it's they can find space for us in a food court style scenario. Now, that's got its advantages because it, it's a smaller footprint. Now, if you know anything about the shopping centre rents in this country, you'll understand the smaller, the better. And we worked out after we, uh, we'd opened a couple of bigger stores, company-owned stores, we worked out with the kiosk model we can pretty much churn out the same amount of product. We can sell the same amount of product from a 20 square meter face, uh, space as we can from a 70 square meter space. Again, it's a simple operation because we don't have huge staff numbers in there. You can generally run it even one person in not so busy times and probably no more than three or four in absolutely chaotic busy times. So it has its advantages in you've got a small footprint, which means less rent. You've got a more simple operation, which means less wages. And you can still sell the exact products that we sell in one of the biggest stores. So when you do some studies, when you do like a time in motion study, even the time taken to get from, say, the grill to the cash register is taken into consideration. So it's all about maximizing efficiencies. And we think the trailer model and the kiosk model are certainly the way to go. And we think the future of, of the franchise industry in this country. Yeah, great. And can you talk about what type of training and support you to provide the franchisees? Well, it's interesting you say that, Raghu, because one of the main reasons that, other than the reason I mentioned earlier, that I wanted to go with Nathan's is their support from the United States is just unbelievable. They are such a great bunch of people to do business with and their support is second to none. So the fact that they're that way means that we're that way. So our support is basically from go to wove. So from the moment 
you decide to come on board as a franchisee or we're there with them every step of the journey. It's not just a case of come, do two or three weeks training. Uh, we'll show you how to work things and hand you the keys and say, off you go. We're going to spend at least two or three weeks from when they open to, especially when they open, they'll, they'll be bombarded because it, it's a fairly big thing when we, when we open a Nathan's Anywhere. There. It's pretty chaotic, the amount of people that uh, are happy to come and um try the food so we work we have one of our ex- experienced uh, training team work with them for at least three weeks so they'll be there they'll open with them and they'll close with them and they'll work there during the day we also obviously have you know regular visits and, and the fact is that even though I'm the owner I'm the managing director if they're short staff they can ring me and I can still go and uh, you know I still learn how to do everything there I can still go and make hot dogs for them we have a very close-knit group of people that it's in our best interest to see everybody succeed. All our franchisees succeed and, and we want to be there for every step of the journey with them. Yeah, and when you're looking to recruit new franchisees, what are some of the key characteristics you're looking for for in a person that would be a potential franchisee? Look, I think, um, Karen, the, the main thing with a franchisee, I've had, I've interviewed several potential franchisees and, and was very candid with them at the end of the interviews and said, look, I don't think this business is for you because it, it's a bit of a defined personality. We, we're in, whilst we're in the food industry, we're in the service industry. We want people that not only uh, want to be in business, we want to give them the opportunity to be in business for themselves and to work for themselves and to be able to you know, make a better life for themselves. But we want people that are engaging, that are happy, that are basically joyous to be going into it. You know, we're very big on customer service and customer relations. Uh, you know, we have a bit of a saying that was actually given to us from the Chief Operating Officer in the United States, and, and we've we've really adopted it here. And our saying in the stores is, the answer is yes, now what's the question? By that, we mean whatever the customer wants, if it's humanly possible, we'll give it to them. So we want people that... That they don't necessarily have to have a business background. They, in some ways, it's detrimental because they may be used to doing things the way they've done it. And we've gone through all the heartache and all the hard knocks in the first few years of company-owned stores, and uh, with the guidance of the of the guys in the United States to work out the best road to follow and the best uh, systems to use. So we just want people that are that are happy and that are engaging and that are willing to work. The very first thing I say when I meet potential franchisees are. You need to work at this. Everybody can, you know, I don't know because I've never tried to buy a franchise from one of my competitors, but, you know, people can sugarcoat things all they like. But the simple fact is that with any business, starting any business or, you know, when you're like me and you've been in business 30 years, with any business, you need to work at it. And you need to work on getting the little things right. And they're the type of people that we want. We want the people with a mindset, hey, we're, we're happy to work and we're happy to make a go of this. We're happy to engage with our clients and, and treat them with respect. And we say to our staff, we say to our franchisees, if you would need it, don't sell it. Thanks, Mark. You've had multiple interests in businesses. So you, you're very experienced from racehorses to, to hot dogs to you know manufacturing, a, a range of different businesses and plenty of them successful as well. How does that translate into this style of business and franchise business? And, and what advice do you give someone who's thinking about how they're you know, running a business for the first time or getting into a franchise for the first time? Yeah, that's a great question, Raghu. I think through my business life, I had an overwhelming belief that or philosophy that give the customer what they wanted. I always had a big emphasis on service and Nathan's is no different, as I mentioned earlier. It's a really important lesson to learn that, you know, there will be mistakes made. People make mistakes and that's, it's the manner in which you deal with your mistakes that's important. And throughout all my different businesses, I've always tried to learn and tried to improve and work with people or had people around me and staff around me that 
always contributed. I always, you know, ultimately the decisions rested with me, but I wanted to make them feel part of the process and make sure that customers were the first and foremost at the at the forefront of our minds. In relation to, to starting a business, it's funny. I was I always thought to myself about buying a franchise. Although, oh, what do I really want to buy a franchise when I can start it myself? And it wasn't until now that I own a franchise, I can see such overwhelming benefits for people to buy a franchise, especially somebody starting out on their own. It's a very daunting task, Ragu, opening your own business. And it's the simple things that you know cause the most headaches. I mean, if, if you're trying to get into a shopping center, first of all, it's very hard if you're a one-off business to get into the shopping center. So therefore, you can be deprived of the best locations. And once you get in those shopping centers, for example, they have very strict retail guidelines from the materials you use when you build the store, like when you fit the store out, you know, to the type of finishes, you know, even to the hours when your contractors can work. You know, you've got to employ architects, you've got to employ builders, you've got to um, have council certifications, you've got to select a, a point of sale system. All those those little bits and pieces, even organising um, health inspections and, and things like that prior to and during being open. It's a very tedious task and it very consumes a lot of time. And if you don't know the right avenues to go down. Like when I started a business myself, I had no one to guide me. So I had to just sort of wing it a little bit. And albeit it was a little bit easier 30 years ago than it is now, but the processes are still basically the same. So even negotiating credit facilities was with various suppliers becomes a very, very difficult thing to do for people. Even people that are experienced in business, let alone someone that just really wants to have a crack and have their own business. So with the franchise, particularly a Nathan's franchise, we take that all away. We take all those headaches, those headaches away. We try to give our, our franchisee a turnkey option. We engage with them. We throughout the whole process we they get drawings of the of if they're taking a kiosk, they get drawings of their kiosk. If they're getting a trailer, we, we let them know where the manufacturing process is up to. If they've got a location that got in that they'd really like to go, albeit it mightn't be far from their house. We, we find them a store. We have leasing agents that work for us to go and find um, potential sites and negotiate the best deals on behalf of our franchisees, not on behalf of us, on behalf of our franchisees. The better the deal we can get for our franchisees, the better it is for them. And therefore, as a franchisor, the better it is for me. So we try to take the guesswork out of it for them. And we basically make it so they, they come, they do their three weeks training before they're ready to open and and they're good to go. They've just got to turn up with a smile on their face and, and ready to serve. And um, we think that they'll prosper. So it's a really difficult thing to get your mind around. And I think becoming a, a Nathan's franchisee takes away a lot of those headaches. And, and I still have an overwhelming belief, Rego, in this country. It's, it's, it's one of the greatest countries. It is the greatest country in the world, in my opinion. And it's one of the greatest countries in the world to, to start a business. It is still one of the countries where you can still work hard and prosper and come and come from very humble beginnings, end up owning multiple businesses. And this country is littered with success stories. And there's no reason why someone that takes a Nathan's franchisee couldn't be that. And the beauty for, for people looking to buy a Nathan's franchisees is we're in the very initial stages of our expansion. And and as you would well know, Ravi, that the first thing is usually the, the most prosperous. You know, just imagine what people would be thinking that the first people that bought a McDonald's franchise when they came to Australia, how apprehensive they would have been, or a KFC or a Domino's or some of those major brands. Think of think of what those people would be thinking, would have thought when they opened one and where they'd be now. I'm sure they own I'm sure they're sitting in a very nice waterfront mansion and would be extremely happy with the choice they make. And we'd like to give people the, the same opportunity as those people had. And it's it's a rare thing to have that opportunity. And, and how, what would you say to someone wanting to open a Nathan's famous franchisee? How do they reach out to you to get more information about it, how to get in touch and find out more about the franchise? And while we're there, Mark, what's, what's your process of, as well of just getting that right person once they've made that inquiry? 
Well, our, our process would be firstly, of, uh, they could to answer both your questions. They could obviously contact Eden Exchange and the, for the initial contact and some initial criteria, or they could go onto our website and make an inquiry that way. And basically, they go through the initial process of of receiving the information booklet and and really making a decision if that's right for them. And we encourage people to to look at all different options. They, they will have many people that will come that might be looking at four or five different options. And we explain the virtues of ours, as I'm sure our competitors explain the virtues of theirs. And ultimately. The final couple of meetings take place with me uh, as the owner. So, you know, for want of a better terminology, they meet the big dog. So, you know, I sit with them and I explain, you know, again, a bit about my background and, and my expectations and, and what they can expect from us. So they're not dealing with a, a franchise division or a human resources division. They're dealing with the owner, which I would hope gives them a significant level of comfort. And then when that decision is made, we have very strict guidelines here in this country that protect uh, franchisees and potential franchisees. They, when they decided to go ahead, we, we send them the franchise information or the, sorry, the franchise um, disclosure documentation. And even then, they still have 14 days. I can't even accept $1 from them until that 14 days is up. They have the opportunity to seek their independent legal advice and independent financial advice. So really, all bases are covered before they decide to make that decision. And look, it's, it really is a, it's a leap of faith. It's a, they've got to have faith in the processes. We believe our processes are fantastic and our support is fantastic. And they've got to have a bit of faith in their own ability. And you know, if they're prepared to do that, then we're prepared to back them. Look, fantastic. We do encourage anyone interested to head towards nathansfamous.com.au and put an inquiry down. And also, there'll be a contact us box underneath this podcast. So please put your details in and one of the team will get in touch with you ASAP to get the ball rolling. Look, apart from that, Mark, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you today. We're looking forward to um, seeing Nathans expand across the country. Look, we're fans of the product and we've, all, we've tried it as well. And we'd love to have you on again soon for an update to tell us how the market's going. It was a pleasure to talk to you guys. It really was. And I encourage anybody to follow your dreams, so to speak, because you don't know where it'll end. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Mark Alotti, owner and managing director of Nathan's Famous Australia. For more information on this or any other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to EdenExchange.com or BusinessByInvest.com. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram for recent updates on the buying and investing business world. And you can subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitchers if you're using Android. Thanks for listening.